So last weekend, I'm in the mountains of Colorado and I call a golf course to make a tea time. I'm by myself and usually when you're by yourself, you call and they group you up with some people and I'm okay with that. I like meeting new people and opportunity, uh, even though I'm sabbatical, it's still an opportunity to become friends with people and witness. And, and so I was looking forward to it. I was like, who are they going to group me up with? And, and so I get there and they group me up with one guy, one guy. He's an older gentleman and I'm like, I'm going to spend four hours with this guy outside. And, and I thought, man, here we go. I'm going to, Lord, this is your time. Help me to be a good witness. And so I know I'm gonna, four hours is a long time, right? I can slow play this. I can get to know him, build a little bit of trust and friendship, hear his story, and then present the gospel of Jesus by the 18th hole. That's always the goal. Always the goal to bring Jesus up prior to the 18th hole. And so I get ready to, to drive on the first tee box, right? And as I'm setting up, uh, he points, he interrupts me. He points something out. He goes, hey, hey, I noticed your tattoo. See, underneath this, uh, my watch, I have a tattoo that I got in Jerusalem a long time ago. And he goes, I noticed that's the Hebrew uh, letter shin. And I was like, you know what that means? And in my back of my mind, I'm like, here it is. Here's the gateway. I don't have to wait 18 holes. I can do it on number one. And I said, you know what it means? And he said, yes, of course. It's the, it's the great central prayer uh, of all followers of God. It means hero Israel. The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm like, this never happens. And it's just like that, you know? How many of you have ever thought, all right, here we go. I'm gonna get to witness to someone and then God flips the script and they minister and witness to you. That's what it looked like was gonna happen. And I said, well, are you a follower of Jesus too? He was like, well, no. He goes, I'm a retired Jewish rabbi. <laughs> I know it sets up like a joke, right? Well, on a Sabbath, there was this golf course and a Jewish rabbi. And what do you get when he meets a Christian pastor? That's what I was like. It's like, God, are you serious? And, uh, and we talk about the rabbinical ancient tradition of discipleship. And then I started trying to bring up Jesus and he shuts it down. And I'm like, oh, but, I, but I, we were golfing on Sabbath. And I said, hey, rabbi, I go, would there be people who would frown that you're out here playing golf on the Sabbath? And he just smiled. He goes, I'm liberal. I know, right? I, and he goes, I'm retired. He goes, every day is Sabbath for me. And I was like, I think he gets it. And he starts talking to me about Sabbath and his lifestyle and resting and remembering God. And he goes, for me, I'm, I'm liberal. Every day is a Sabbath. And he goes, but for my children, it's different. I said, really? Tell me about that. He goes, well, they've got small kids and they've got jobs and their lifestyle is so hurried, so busy, so rushed that they need the structure of a Sabbath. He's like, from Friday night, from Friday night, I mean, they make all their meals ahead of time. So from Friday night to Saturday night, that's their Sabbath. They don't work. They don't prepare meals. They rest and they need that for their souls and their relationships. Yeah, and I know I've been to Israel and it is very strict and extreme. Like restaurants are shut down. Businesses are shut down. You can't get a cab or a flight. Airlines shut down from Friday night to Saturday night. Like even if you go into a building that has elevators, some of them are so strict, they won't even press the button because to press the elevator button would be considered work. I know it sounds strict, right? Some of you are like, it's ridiculous. And some of them have fallen into a ditch where it's so strict. But I wonder how many of us are in the other ditch. 
Like we live in a culture, right, that prides itself in being busy. There's this kind of, we're rushing, we're trying to make more, we're, we're striving, our kids can't do enough activities. And, and, and so we found ourselves in a lifestyle of busyness. And I wonder if it's affected your very soul, if your soul feels hurried, if you feel like there's no margin in time. And the reality is God has not designed you to run at this unsustainable pace. And he wants to give you a supernatural rest that only can come from him. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. I'm so excited that you are here for the start of our journey of a new series called The Kingdom. Look over to a friend and say, The Kingdom. Doesn't that sound like a good series? We're continuing our journey through the Gospel of Matthew. And I pray that the Lord is increasing your desire and your love for Jesus. Amen. And so I'm excited to be here with you. I've been gone on sabbatical for the last few weeks. I've missed you. I love you. It's good to be home in San Antonio with you again. We've got some special guests here today that they've been gone for a while. They've been a part, they were a big part of our church family, small group leaders, but they were sent out as church planners and they are taking a rest from their church today from Bandera. And they are here with us today. Manfred and Buzz, would you please stand to your feet and church family, can we take a moment and welcome them back home and appreciate and love them. You've heard me tell stories about the spiritual awakening that's happening in, in Bandera and they're making spiritual babies and they're expecting their third child here in September, fourth child now in September. Awesome. Talk about multiplying. They're doing it. We love you guys so much. And we are so grateful that you've chosen to worship with us today. Awesome. All right, let's dive in. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 12. There's two very controversial moments that are happening on the Sabbath. All right. Starting at verse one, it says, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry. And they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, it was okay. It was part of their culture. If you're traveling, and even if these grain fields are not yours, you can take some grain fields if you're hungry and eat it. On every day of the week, except the Sabbath. Except the Sabbath. And Jesus is with his disciples, and they're doing it. All right, And, and it seems like it's obviously okay to Jesus. But there are people who are so strict about the Sabbath, about the rules that they object. So controversy number one. Now let's look at verse 10. It says, Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? They're trying to, to trap Jesus, right? They're trying to accuse him, okay? And notice Jesus' response. He says, What man is there among you? Who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Now, some of them are so extreme that they would lead their sheep to die and suffer. But most people, it was like common sense that you would have enough compassion to help your livestock, to help what you see as valuable. Now, Jesus gives us as a metaphor for them and for those hearing him and for us, the word of God is alive for us today, to point to who are more valuable. So he says in verse 12, of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Listen, Jesus was fully God, right? He broke tradition. He did not sin. 
And, and so he is, he's saying, hey, in my kingdom, like you're so stressed out about my disciples, my friends who are eating grain that you've missed it all. You missed the whole Sabbath. It's like in my kingdom, the, the Sabbath is it's a gift. It's, it's not to be, not to cause more stress. You're majoring on the minors. And, and so how many of you have seen this, this play out, this passage of scripture in The Chosen? Raise your hand if you've been watching The Chosen. And I have failed you as a pastor. Guys, please be, to watch this, The Chosen. It's the best TV show ever. I'm serious. Some of you are like, there's no greater TV show than The Office. The chosen is better than the office. It's more worth your time than watching the Olympics. I promise. I know. I'm, I'm no, I know. I know. I know. I know. That's a big, big reach there. But as we go through the Matthew, you can watch it for free on YouTube. What if you love me as a pastor? Please watch the chosen. All right. <laughs> So during my sabbatical over the last few weeks, I've been studying, spending big blocks of time and studying Genesis and Exodus. I've just kind of gone back to the beginning to kind of parallel our journey in Matthew. And I got to, to Exodus chapter 16. It's the place where God has delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. He heard their cries, their complaints. I mean, they were burdened, right? They were struggling. They had been, they'd worked so hard and now they're in transition. So they're in the wilderness. And God says, come to me, come to me in the wilderness. And he reveals himself, this, this big pillar of cloud. He's with them. And now he wants to provide for them. How does he provide for them? Do you remember? As far as physical sustenance, he, he provides meat through the quail. And then he provides manna, like, like flakes on the ground that they could go up and, and gather it. But there, what was really interesting to me in this chapter is that he was very specific to them that when, when you gather, gather every day of the week except on the sixth day, gather twice as much because on the seventh, I don't want you to work. I don't want you to gather. He says it's Sabbath. It's holy. This is a sacred day. I don't want you to work. This would have been echoing what he, again, this is before him giving the, the Ten Commandments. All right, some of us think honor the Sabbath happened first with the, the commandments. Actually, God, he's, he's, he's sharing his heart. He wants to give this gift of rest and, and it's before the commandments. And, but it's actually even before this moment. Because remember on creation, God worked and he, for six days he brought the world into existence. And on the seventh day he what? Did he not model this for us? So he would never ask us to do something he wasn't willing to do. So he modeled for us at creation. And now in Exodus 16, he's, he's commanding them to rest. Now some of them didn't. And they would go out and there was no manna. And, and God objected. He was like, why are your people disobedient. Why don't you trust me? Right? And, and then I want us to look in not, not just Exodus 16, although it's so good, but in Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. And some of you, uh, you know you're familiar with most of them, right? Honor your parents, don't lie, don't steal, cheat or steal or kill or, or envy. But there's one of them that it's remember the Sabbath, Right? Did you know that a survey was taken a couple of years ago and it revealed that nearly half of all followers of Christ disregard the Sabbath. They don't honor the Sabbath. So this is very relevant for us. This is one of the Ten Commandments. It's a big deal. Verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. You must not do any work 
You, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the, earth, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. The Sabbath day belongs to the Lord. It is holy and it is your sacred responsibility to obey, to receive this. There's a, there's a supernatural guess, rest that can only come from the Lord. In fact, there's another verse in Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. This is where Moses is, uh, he's crying out to see, see the Lord. He wants to have an encounter with God. And, and God does reveal himself in all of his glory, he, he lets him see just a part of, of who he is. Um, but before he reveals, he sees what is in Moses' heart. And what is in Moses' heart? Verse 13, is, Moses says, Now if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you, so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. Now notice God's response in verse 14. It says, And he replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Who gives rest? God gives rest. He's the only one that can truly give you supernatural rest. He knows what you need. And God, Jesus is, is God's answer to your greatest need. He always will be. Some of you, you in, are in desperate need of rest. You're, you're far too stressed out and busy. The Lord has not designed you to run at this unsustainable pace that you're running. In fact, I want this to be a moment, all right, a reality check. Some of you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself because you're redlining and there's flags, the red flags, the red lights on the dashboard. And so I've got some questions to ask you and I want you to take some inventory, all right? So here's some questions that I want to ask you. Do you feel tired most of the time? Even after you get up from sleep, do you still feel tired? tired? Do you feel like, like you're, you're irritable most of the time? Some of you are like, no, I'm never here. Ask your spouse, all right? <laughs> Ask somebody in your small group. Do you get annoyed easily from the frustrations of life or things that are interrupting your schedule or just people in general or just people getting on your nerve all the time? That, this is a good, good sign that you may be too stressed out, too busy. All right. Do you not bounce back from sickness like you used to? Have you lost your desire for physical activity or spiritual activity? Moving God's kingdom forward, making disciples, serving him. Is that something that excites you? Or do you say, man, I just, I wish I could if I had more energy, if I had more time. Like these are all signs that are pointing for you to just check yourself, right? Because your emotional Mental, spiritual areas in your life are at stake. Your relationships with other people. This will affect your marriage. It will affect your friendships. It will affect your relationship with the Lord. And so if you're feeling restless and just busy and anxious, again, this is a moment that the Lord, we are in the presence of God. He's trying to get your attention. And his word is a message to you. Would you stop and would you heed God's message as a warning and make changes? Some of you, you need to repent from ignoring the Sabbath. 
Because what you're doing is you're, you're really, by not honoring the Sabbath in your life, you're saying, God, I don't need you. And you're walking an independent life apart from God. And God is saying, hey, I am God, you're not. Acknowledge that I am Lord and live your life in a way that is not so stressed that you don't have margin, you don't have spontaneity. He's like, I, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to like, yes, work, work hard, but also you need to rest and you need to play and you need to do that unto the Lord as well. The Lord is trying to get your attention. I want us to back up now to Gospel of Matthew chapter 11. This is an invitation that would parallel God's request to the Israelites coming out of Egypt when he said, come to me, come to me in my presence. Now Jesus is, is ju and his disciples are struggling. They're tired. Um, they just got, got news of John the Baptist's death and, and then he says to them in Matthew 11, it's a familiar passage. You've heard it. Come to me, all you who are weary or heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. I want to read this passage of scripture a little bit differently out of the, the message, okay? It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real net rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Father, we thank you for your words. Jesus, we thank you for this invitation. Lord, I know that there are some here today that, that feel burned out. They feel restless in their spirit and they've been running at a pace that's not what you designed. It's not sustainable. So I pray that you would convict, not condemn, but to convict, Father, because I believe that through your supernatural rest, there is grace, that you want to renew dreams of serving you, of dreams that have been put aside. And Lord, I pray that you would give us an excitement, Lord, that the hope, that that gift of rest that you want to give us, help us to put our place in a position to receive your supernatural rest that will sustain us and give us grace to fulfill your calling, and your purpose for our lives and for our church. In your name we ask, amen. We are made to surge and then to rest. You can't go, 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 go and expect to function optimally. And so how do we live our lives with a unhurried, like when you think about Jesus, do you see him as being stressed and worried and frantic and rushed, all that? No, like, so how can we, ruthlessly eliminate the hurry from our lives and walk at the pace that Jesus walked. He, think about the stories in the, in the Bible. Like he, he never got frustrated with interruptions. When Jesus got off the boat to go heal Jairus' son, he committed to doing that. Remember there was a woman for 12 years who was sick and she grabbed hold of the end of the garments. He didn't say, hey, hey, I gotta go somewhere, please. And he didn't look past her. What did he do? He had a moment with her and he healed her. I wonder if we could live our lives in a way that when interruptions happen, we have enough margin in our time. To, we have enough like joy in our heart and trust in the Lord that these interruptions that may frustrate us because we don't have margin of time and we're not obeying the Sabbath and that we could like have enough margin to go, all right, God, are you orchestrating? Are you bringing people in my path? Are you causing things to happen that I can have spiritualized and open to what you want to do in my life and in my day? So how can we do that? How can we have... This, this lifestyle of, of a rhythm of, of rest and, and God's grace. So first, I want to challenge you to divert daily. 
Divert daily. To follow the Lord is to spend time with him. God desires to have close fellowship with you. Are you abiding with the Lord? Are you dwelling with him? He wants to give you bread from heaven. This is your daily bread. Are you in the word of God daily? Are you, are you spending time, like, like blocked scheduled time, like this is the most important part of my day, in worship and prayer, waiting upon the Lord, not just giving your petitions to the Lord, but genuinely like in worship and, and just waiting and listening. Do you have time with the Lord? Did Jesus spend time with his father? Did he divert daily? I mean, he was fully God. Did he need to do it? Absolutely. right. In, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Another place in Scripture says that he got up way before daylight and he pulled away from the community of his small group and spent time one-on-one with his father. And I love the Gospels of, Gospel of, of John 15 through 17 to reveal this heart of Jesus. It says, apart from you, Father, I can do nothing. I will say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. He was so dependent upon his father that he knew he had to spend time with him. And if Jesus had to spend time with his father in rest and solitude and abiding, how much more time do we need to spend time with him? Right? And this should be not out of a sense of duty or burden, or, but but we should see this like as our most important part of our day. Our most important part of our day. Like, like some of you, you would never think of robbing God of his tithe, which is 10% of what he entrusts us with, right? But would you apply that to your time? Like he's given us all this time. And when we can spend time with the Lord, not just like a block of time, but what if we, just during the day we we're always aware of his presence? like the leading of his spirit, that we can have conversation, that we're just continually practicing the presence of the Lord. That's his desire, that we would walk with him. Just walk with him and be aware of his presence. So we divert daily. Second, we withdraw weekly. This is the Sabbath, that one day of the week that you need to like, are you honoring the Sabbath? And not just your, your work that provides money for your family, but I'm talking about like honeydew lists that matters. That's work. All right. So some of you like Sunday's your Sabbath and you are honoring the Lord. You're putting him first. You're coming together. And as a church family, corporately, we're worshiping him. You're receiving God's bread together. It's wonderful. I hope that you're not just going home and getting the laptop and you're starting working again, or you're, you're even working around the house. Do that on Saturday. Like you need to have the day of rest and, and, and do some things. It doesn't have to all be spiritual. Like some of this, you need to take a nap. It could be the most spiritual thing you need to do. You just take a nap. Some of you need to hear that. My pastor told me I need to take a nap. Do some things that cause your heart to be delighted. Like eat foods that you love and do some things that you, like on my Sabbath, I'll spend a little bit more time with the Lord. I'll maybe drink two cups of coffee instead of one. I'll usually go on a date or spend some time with, I'll have some time in, in nature and solitude, I'll either go mountain biking or play golf. I just do some things on that. That Sabbath is my favorite day of the week. That's where the Lord, he wants to replenish you. He wants to remind you that he is God and that, that he will bring, this will affect you emotionally, relationally, spiritually, your soul. Some of your souls are so hurried and rushed. You just need, it can only be quieted by the presence of the Lord. And you just need to shut up and listen and, and spend time in God's presence. That one day of the week, are you withdrawing weekly? This is the key to longevity, y'all. And what's true individually is true as a church. And this is why we're in a season, July, man, we're, we're, not, we're, having a lot, we're not doing any events or we're, 
we're, we're encouraging all of our small group leaders, like maybe take a break, do some things that are just fun and fellowship, but we're resting. All of our ministers that serve five years, we're sending them out on, on a sabbatical, not to just have an, not to have an agenda where you have to read these many books. Clean slate before the Lord. Just wait upon the Lord. We divert daily, we withdraw weekly, and we quit quarterly. I have discovered that once every four months, just getting out of my town, getting out of town, a change of place plus a change of pace can equal a change of perspective. And I love getting in nature and solitude before the Lord, or maybe even with my wife and, and just an overnight trip and just a little bit bigger of a block where we're spending more time abiding and more time listening, maybe a little bit more time in recreation and remembering the Lord and resting. You know that the Sabbath, it literally means, it's a Hebrew word that literally means stop, to cease. And to remember, to remember that God is good. Remember that God, our God is a provider, that our God is a healer, that you're, you need to be dependent upon the Lord. We're designed, we're his children. He's a good father. He wants what's best for us. A few years ago, I found my place. It was right during the release of my book in the phase two, we were starting GSM and I was coaching small group leaders. And I just kept saying, yes, 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 yes. Some of us, we need to learn the discipline of saying no. And not every opportunity or every idea comes from God. Sometimes we, do, we can find ourselves saying, and I found myself in a place of getting very close to burning out. I, all the signs were there mentally, my family, my, my, my soul. Just, uh, it, it, it was not a healthy time for me. And I had to back up and I had this really good doctor friend and he could tell how stressed I was and it was affecting me physically all areas. And he told me about a place in the world. There's actually five places in the world called the blue zones. Have you ever heard of them? Five blue zones. These are places where people live longer and better lives than anybody else. Like there's the, the capita of, of centurions, people who live a hundred years and longer are, are living in these areas. And so guess where I celebrated my 25th wedding anniversary with Stephanie. We went to one of these blue zones. We found a Greek island and we went and we spent time just slowing down. And so we learned from the Greek culture and for people, and I learned some lessons I wrote down in my journal that I wanna share with you today. Six secrets to live a long life, all right? Number one, eat locally and in moderation. These people didn't eat a lot of processed food. They, they had gardens, they ate natural food, foods and good foods that are healthy, and they ate and drank in moderation. Second, lesson I learned. They didn't rush. They didn't rush. Their pace was slower than what we have in our city. We are in a culture where it just feels rushed, doesn't it? And we need to ruthlessly eliminate the hurry from our lives if we're going to have a little bit more margin, a little bit more joy and peace in our lives. So you know what the cure is for an unsustainable pace? Is create and be disciplined for a sustainable pace. You need to make some changes. You need to make some changes to your pace. Third lesson I learned is that they enjoyed sleep. During my time of burnout, I was averaging about two or three hours of sleep. And there were some nights I didn't sleep at all. I couldn't fall asleep. It was just insomnia and it was terrible and it was affecting every. Some of you are not sleeping long enough. And in these blue, blue zones, they sleep eight to nine hours average. And then the older people, they take naps every afternoon. Every, sounds like heaven, right? Tom, are you taking naps? 
We need to take more naps. All right. All right. Here's the fourth lesson I learned. They let things go. The Greek culture is they have a saying, don't keep the bad in. Bad values, bad whatever it is. I don't, don't major on the minors. Don't get stressed out. Don't, don't just let that, don't let bitterness in. Don't, just, in. just don't be stressed out. Like some of you are, are willing to mortgage your souls for work. You can't have enough side hustles and can't make enough money. Can't, gotta do this. And you're just like, you're running yourself ragged and your soul is hurried and you're stressed. You're not the same person that your spouse married. You're too stressed out. You need to make some changes. Fifth lesson is that they walked all over the place. Plain and simple, I mean, like exercise primes the body and the mind. It's good, our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? So exercising is good, it's good, it's good. And then finally, they got outside a lot. They ate outside a lot, they, they were outside a lot. And nature is God's, it's, it's almost like it's his restore button for your soul, mind, and body. Some of you are far too long, spend way too much time indoors. You need to turn off the phone, get off social media, disable email, and just get outside. Even if it starts by just taking a stroll every day outside, get some sunlight, breathe in some good air, go to the ocean, go to the mountains, like spend some time outside. Listen, we're in it for the long haul. And I want you to, to live a, a long, healthy life should the Lord tarry and not come back for us. Yes, it is. While it's day, we're gonna work hard. We're gonna make disciples and start churches, but, but we needed to do it at a good rhythm and a good pace. Amen, as a church, but also individually. I desire this for you, but you gotta take responsibility. You need to take all your vacation days. Don't cheat your employer, your company by not taking days off. Right? Your, your family needs you to do this. God's got this, y'all. He's got this. And you don't need to outrun his pace for your life. He is in charge. Trust him. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we can be in your presence. We wait upon you. Holy Spirit, if this is an area of our lives that we've been disobedient, we've been saying yes to too many things, Lord, I pray that you would convict us, not condemn us, not to put us on a guilt trip, but to really convict us, to bring change that would glorify you, to make us more healthy in our soul, our mind, and our body. So as we spend time in, in silence in this moment, would you just wait upon the Lord? Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in this truth. Some of you need to come confess and repent of your sin and to make changes, and, and he will lead you in that. Would you be not just a hearer of the word, but doers of his word. Would you listen to him even now? Help us, Holy Spirit, to be obedient to you, to follow your example. For Jesus, you and we know that your words are true. He said, come to me, all you who are weary. He sees you. If you're, if you're worried, if you're stressed, if your soul is too busy, you're constantly saying, if I had more time, if I had more of this, more... and the Lord is saying, would you trust me? Would you come to me? He'll allow things to happen in your life to get your attention, to bring things to a stop because he wants to commune with you. He wants a, a personal relationship with you. He loves you. Would you receive his gift of rest? Would you make changes to put yourself at a daily, weekly, let it be a lifestyle that you can walk in the spirit 
and this unforced rhythm of grace where this supernatural strength and wisdom will sustain you and give you everything that you need. Lord, we need you as a church individually. We're dependent upon you. We need you. If heads still bowed and you're here today, you're restless in your spirit. And the big reason why you're restless and not feeling comfortable is maybe because you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the one thing that's causing you to be restless is sin in your life of selfishness. You've hardened your heart and you're living your life your way. Maybe it's lust or greed or gossip or just selfishness, pride. And the Lord has brought you to this moment in His presence. Maybe you've been invited or you're here and the Holy Spirit is drawing you to Himself. He loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. That's the gospel. That's the good news, that He died on the cross as a substitution for you. You should have been on the cross because of your sin. But God loves you so much. He's a just God, but He's also a God of mercy that his wrath had to be pleased by his son, the sacrifice, his blood that was spilt was for the forgiveness of your sins so your relationship could be reconciled and Jesus rose from the dead. And if he could rise from the dead, there's power in his resurrection. There's power to save you today. There's power to forgive you. He's done his part. Would you do your part? You may ask, well, what is my part? It is to confess sin. If you confess your sin, you will be forgiven. Repent of your sin. That means turn from your sin and turn to God to surrender your life to Jesus, to lay it down as he laid his life down and he will forgive you. He will give you a hunger for his word and for Christian fellowship. He will give you that supernatural rest, joy and peace that you can't find anywhere in the world. It's only through him, but it comes at a cost. It comes at following after him all the days of your life. It's not just one quick prayer. This is a change of life, a commitment of being his disciple, of obeying all that he asks of you. And if you're here today and say, I don't want to wait anymore. I don't want to wait any longer. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to become his child, his follower. I want to count to three. And if you're here today, I want you to raise your hand and say, John, will you pray for me? I want to surrender my life. I want to follow after Jesus all the days of my life. I no longer want to walk a, a, a wide road that leads to destruction that's dark, but I want to follow the narrow ways. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He who follows me will find life. So when I count to three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three, all over this room. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Praise God. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you for not hesitating. This is the greatest moment of your life. We've got some small group leaders. Thank you, ma'am. We've got some small group leaders, new small group leaders. I want to invite them to come alongside of you. We want to connect with you, but we want to seize this moment. Will you pray with me? I'm going to give you a prayer, but would you just have the faith of a child? Confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe that he's the son of the living God. Just say his name out loud. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of the living God. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I am sorry for my sin. I repent of my sin and I turn to you. Please forgive me. Give me a hunger for your word and for Christian fellowship. Help me to obey all of your commands and follow after you all the days of my life. 
No longer ever going back to my former lifestyle. I am a new creation in you, a new son, a new daughter in you. And Father, I pray in this moment, Lord, that you would supernaturally change the minds and the hearts and the lives of those who are making this confession, this public confession to you. Help them, O oh Lord, to take their next steps and follow after you. Help us to have friends to come alongside of them, to, for them to grow, to be a devoted follower of you. Set them free from sin and the bondage of, of death, hell, and the grave. Set them free, O oh Lord. Let them walk in a new identity. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Can we welcome our friends to be a new part of our church family?